Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck the Hockey History Podcast. My name is Riley. I'm with Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And um, this time we have our, our final Heart Trophy episode, uh, part eight, part nine, actually, I think. Wow. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're just going to wrap up our conversation about the Heart Trophies. Uh, as I said, there were there have been eight previous episodes in which we went through all the different eras of the NHL and even uh, the early pre-NHL pro leagues about um, who was who were the best players uh, in the league uh, every year. And what we thought uh, for this episode is we're going to talk about two things, one of which we're going to talk about is uh, just sort of the history, the the cumulative history of the awards, who the heart essentially says the best players are, who the Ted Lindsay says the best players are, and then who who all our alternative list. Um, we got two of them, actually. And then uh, we're going to just talk about, we're going to highlight some some really uh, egregious uh awards that we talked about over the course of the series, but just mention them again for posterity's sake. Um, so to start, uh, we just a reminder, uh, there's I'm just going to go through the list of the players who have won multiple heart trophies. And, and a reminder before I start, um, the heart has only existed since 23-24. So the first six or ish seasons of the league didn't have a heart trophy award. So when we do our list, that's including those seasons. And the other thing is the Ted Lindsay Award has only existed since 1971. And before that, it was called the Pearson. Um, and uh, and so that there's a big gap with the uh, with the Pearson Lindsay in terms of the best players, because, of course, it's omitting all the original six and even the first couple seasons of the modern era. Um, so the heart, according to the heart, this is the best. These are the best players in uh, in heart, actual heart of voting. Uh, these are the best players in history. Wayne Gretzky has nine, of course. Gordie Howe has six. Eddie Shore has four. And then there's a big tie for th- a three. Uh, one, two, three, four, five players. They are Bobby Clark, Mary Lemieux, Howie Morenz, Bobby Orr, and Ovechkin. And then there's a bigger tie with two. Uh, Jean Belleau, Bill Cowley, Sidney Crosby, Phil Esposito, Dominic Hasek, Bobby Hall, Guy Lafleur, Mark Messier, Stan Mikita, and Nell Stewart. And then there's a bunch of guys with one who we're not going to go through because there's like 30 of them. Um, and then for the Ted Lindsay, Wayne Gretzky has five. Big surprise, he's in the lead again. Gordy Howe has zero because it didn't exist. Mary Lemieux has four. Eddie Shore has zero as well. Uh, and then there's a few tied for three. Uh, Yager, Crosby, Lafleur, and Ovechkin. And there's a few tied for two. Dion, Esposito, Hasek, Connor McDavid, and Marc Messier. So th- those uh, those are at least by the the award votes. Um, who you might you know you'd be a very lazy like you want to make a list of the best players in NHL history. You can go by one of those and have some vague idea supposedly. So our lists are uh, different to uh, to put it mildly. Um, there's some guys on our lists, uh, that are not on the main list for a couple reasons, which we'll, I guess we'll go over as we go. Um, and, uh, and we also made two lists because as we talked about, I feel like every single episode, Bill, that we made a distinction between the best player and the MVP as we were going along and that, so we have two lists. So we have a best player list and we have an MVP list. Uh, the MVP list is a little less crazy in terms of who wins so i guess we'll start with that one 
so on our MVP list, Gretzky is first with eight MVPs. So he has nine in, in real life. And then Howe is second with six, which he also has in real life. Um, and then Orr is third with five. And in real life, he has three. Yeah. Um, though Ted Lind- Sorry? I think that's the biggest difference, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of them, there's a, there's a couple. Well, yes. The biggest difference in terms of the top three. Yeah. Um, or weirdly, Orr only has one Ted Lindsay award, which I felt like he had more than that. But he's because he was getting the Norris all the time, I think. Yeah. So the other really big difference, and this is where you and I might disagree, Bill, uh, but since I made this list, I get, I get to say so. Uh, <laughs> on, on our MVP list, Stan Makita has four. Yeah. Which yeah, was, is a I real looking, shock. I was looking back through his through his stuff, and uh, I was going back through like you know sort of the the stats, and I was like, oh, there's Makita again, and he should have won that one. Oh, there's Makita again, he should have won that one. Like, oh, I guess he's. I think there was I think there's one he did when where I thought it should have been Bellivo, so maybe I would I would have personally put him at three, but uh, he well, definitely did not get the recognition he deserved. There was def- there's at least one where I think he won, and I don't think either of us think he deserved it. Yeah. But then there was like other years where he did. I just I I think his reputation, like at least for me, going through this, his reputation is for me is really elevated because like whether or not he actually deserved four heart trophies. Uh, he has he has two currently, and yeah. uh, that's a big difference. And he also has, I believe, he just has t- he has two. Uh, did I say two? Ted Lindsay's or one? I think he has two. Um, sorry, I'm just scanning the list. No, he has one. Uh, actually, no, he doesn't have any because he he uh, he would have had his last one the year before they introduced the Ted Lindsay. That's so. right. That's right. Um, so then the other guy, the other guy tied for fourth on our MVP list is Mario Lemieux. So he has four Ted Lindsay's in real life and he has three hearts in real life. And then we have a, a two way tie for sixth place for three trophies. One of them is Howie Morenz, who, uh, we have having three trophies here and heart wise, he also has three trophies. And uh, of course he does no Ted Lindsay's cause he played well before that. And then we have Eddie Shore with three MVPs, um, which he, of course, has in real life as well. Oh, no, sorry, he has four in real life, four hearts. My, my mistake. Um, and I just want to, when we get to the best player list, there's going to be a very big, Eddie Shore is going to have a very big difference. Um, and I'm sure that will cause lots of consternation in all the Eddie Shore fans out there. <laughs> so then uh, we won't go through the full everybody else who has two, but I, I'll just read them off. And then I just want to mention um, a couple, point highlight a couple. But basically our tie for seventh, or sorry, eighth, sorry, with, with two hard trophies. Jean Beliveau, uh, Dickie Moore, Guy Lafleur, Cy Denny, uh, Charlie Conacher, Nicholas Lidstrom. Well, that was my, that, I made that arbitrary decision, so I don't know if you agree with that. Uh, Cooney Wayland, Bill Cowley. Uh, oh, God, I'm, I'm forgetting Lack's first name. Was It It wasn't Ernie. It was Elmer. Uh, Elmer. There we go. I knew it was an E. Uh, Maurice Richard, Ted Lindsay, Bobby Hull. Bill Esposito, uh, Sergey Fedorov, another one that Bill probably doesn't agree with, uh, Sidney Crosby, and Alex Ovechkin. And so Ovechkin, that drops Ovechkin down one, uh, yeah. but it bun- bumps a bunch of people up. Um, Dickie Moore, uh, Cy Denny, of course, was not eligible for a heart. Uh, well, he was for part of half of his career. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Conacher doesn't have any. Nicholas Lidstrom, of course, doesn't have any. 
Wayland has none, but really, really got snubbed on at least one of them. Um, and then uh, Lindsay, I think, just has one. Sorry, I'm just I'm trying to remember. It's a long list. So <laughs> Ted Lindsay, Ted Lindsay indeed has. I think no, no, he does not have any trophies. So it also bumps him up. So there's a bunch of guys that we went through and we were like, oh, those guys clearly, well, we didn't completely agree about the Lidstrom stuff, but like every at everybody else, Conacher, Wayland, uh, Ted Lindsay, I think, and um, and Dickie Moore, we were both pretty damn sure that they deserved him. And uh, Denny, I think we were a little more on the fence, but like these guys have, at least to the casual fan, have been in many cases forgotten to history a little bit, especially Charlie Conacher and like Cooney uh, Wayland and people like that. And and so it's just there, you know, when you actually thoroughly go through this stuff, there's a there's some real discrepancies, I think, between like a perfect world list and the real world list. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it, it changes for some players. It sort of changes their the way that you view them like, oh, yeah, he did win two heart trophies. Like, OK, well, then, now yeah. we're, you know, maybe maybe if we're doing, uh, you know, top 25 players of all time list, you're starting to think about him a lot more, you know, and it's, it does make a difference. The thing is, for some people, when they debate these kinds of things, awards matter a lot. Yeah. And so if one guy kind of gets jobbed out of one that he really deserved, you're like, that does, in a way, affect his legacy for some people. You know, it doesn't for me particularly like, you know, the fact that Lidstrom didn't win any hard trophies doesn't like keep me from thinking he's a top five defenseman all time. Um, you know, it just just doesn't uh, does, doesn't factor in for me because i know the voting's coming from a bunch of hockey writers and they make dumb decisions all the time so like it's 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 at times it's probably a popularity contest or at least you know oh this guy had a great season and the team wasn't good around him and that other guy they're pretty comparable but he had a great team around him so let's give it to the guy on the weaker team you're like well i don't know if that should be the deciding vote but you know and so that that one guy gets one and then the other guy doesn't and then, you know, at the end of his career, maybe he's got one cup or zero cups and he probably should have won a heart or two and he doesn't have it. And it's like, that might keep him out of the hall. Like, that's a big deal. So. It is. It is a big deal. And, you know, I, I think the, the only thing we have to correct that kind of thing is voting records. But, of yeah. course, the further back in time you go, the the more problematic uh you know, the voting records become, right? Yeah, I mean, some years a guy has an amazing season and just gets, like, no votes. And you're like, huh, I guess the writers just didn't see it that year. But when you look at it statistically, you're like, that guy should have had a lot of votes. (laughs) If if he didn't win it, he should have been really close. You know, that's upsetting. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's there's definitely, uh, we we stumbled on more than a couple of those throughout when we were going through the whole thing. But, I mean, the nice thing about now is with all the detailed heart voting for the last, I don't know, like, let's say four or five decades, you know, you can go back and even if a guy got jobbed on a, on a heart, at least you can say, well, you know, we have, we, we know he was nominated. He was top five, three times or something, yeah. which is yeah. a pretty good proxy for saying, okay, well, he might've deserved one of those, or he was very, very good, especially in a, in a league that's like 24 to, to 32 teams. But like you go back far enough and the records are, the voting records are really incomplete. <laughs> and 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 when those are incomplete it's it's uh you know there's there's a couple years which we talked about a little bit on the um on some of the the various episodes where especially the early on where the voting records like there's like two guys got votes you know especially yeah. i think the first one 
yeah. and you're like, uh, what do we do with this? You know? Yeah. And, well, I mean, we're, we're, we're still doing the same thing a hundred years later. I mean, look at the hockey hall of fame voting. Now it's, you know, 20 guys go into a room and they come out with some arbitrary list and we don't, we don't know who voted for who we're like, yeah. how the hell did Kevin Lowe get it? We should hold these people responsible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Be allowed to vote again. All of them who voted for him. Like, well, <laughs> we don't know who voted for who, so. Yeah. So we have another list, and the other list is of the best player, which is uh, sort of more regardless of t- overall context. Whereas the MVP, we were we were both trying to think a little bit about like who was on a good a good or decent team who who deserved to win like you know most valuable player, and the and the best player list is more you know who was just the best player in the league regardless of whether or not their team sucked. And it's it's quite a different list. Um, and it's, again, it, there's actually way, there's, the lists are, so the the heart list goes down to the 59th row, um, and the best player list only goes down to the 51st row. So there's significantly fewer players on it, but there's also, like, um, sort of a, there's there's guys who won it more, let's put it that way, because they were on, they were really good seasons on bad teams, basically. So, on this version of the list, Gretzky wins eleven, so that's two more than real life. Uh, and then there is a, a three-way tie for second. Can you guess who they are, Bill? I'm gonna guess uh, Bobby Orr. Correct. Uh, um, I'm gonna guess Mario Lemieux. Correct. And I'm gonna guess. Sidney Crosby. Incorrect. But oh. very close. Very close. Was it a Vatican? It's how. Oh, of course. Jeez. Yeah. So <laughs> for some reason I never think of Gordy Howe. It's just for what I, I think it's because I grew up in Montreal and it was just yeah. Maurice and Chard all the time. For me, it's just he never pops into my head. And yet, you know, like every time I, you know, look at a list, I'm like, oh yeah, he is totally top five. Like just, yeah. you know. Like, yeah, yeah, somewhere somebody is getting very, very angry. Right now. Oh yeah, sure. Well, sorry, that's that's. <laughs> Everybody in Montreal liked Richard more than Howe, and don't get me yeah. wrong, Howe is a fantastic player, but I uh, just uh, the the thing is too. I mean, like he was he was quite uh, quite the uh, the old specimen by the time I was alive. Like I think yes. he was in what in his fifties playing in the in the uh, WHA or WA uh, yep. or, or with uh, well, he was in his kids, you know, like yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. He was like late forties, early fifties. I think he played. He played one minor league game when he was like almost sixty as well, which I, I, is crazy. I, I actually think he had just turned seventy. So, or okay, yeah, because I, I think it was like to try to say that he played in seven different decades. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. Like that. Um. So yeah. So there's a three-way tie with six best players. So so almost like the Gretzky's dominance of this particular category is ridiculous because Gretzky has eleven, and then according to us, Lemieux or how all have six. Um, which is like, you know, slightly yeah. more than half of Gretzky's, which is crazy. Anyway, you were right to guess Crosby, though, Bill, because we have him uh, in fifth with five. There you go. And then Stan Makita again in six with four. Um, and so that once again, if if this if this exercise of ours has done anything to anyone's reputation, I feel like it's it's said like Makita is really 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 good. Well, yeah, um, and, and think about how important like he and Bobby Hull are to you know hockey history, inventing the curved stick and like yeah, you know like it's it's a, it was a whole different game because of those guys, and I, I I think everybody knows that they were great, but I don't think the level of their greatness, you know, Bobby Hull because he left the 
WHA doesn't doesn't show up on as many lists as a top player as he should. Yeah. Um, and but almost everybody I know who, obviously now you know I'm a Vancouver fan, so I hate the Blackhawks, but. So many people, um, you know, my friends' dads and stuff, they all really like the Blackhawks because of Bobby Hall. Like they just, they just loved him as a player. And, uh, you know, he was like, I mean, had the hardest slap shot. I mean, they, they didn't measure it ever properly, but all I know is uh, he has one of those slap shots that absolutely was legendary and terrified goalies. Um, yeah. So we'll never have an accurate measure of how fast it was, but uh, it, it, it was up there. It was, you know, at least in the range of like an Iafrady, McKinnis, Chara kind of slap shot. Um, yeah. Where just if he releases it, you better hope it doesn't hit you somewhere because you're going to get hurt real bad. So, um, yeah, like I, I think those two guys, uh, for people who grew up in that era, they were they remember them and they remember how great they are. But if you just look at them statistically, I don't think it shows how great they were. Yeah. So then next, uh, tied for seventh, we have a whole bunch of players uh, with three best player awards. They are uh, Beliveau, Lafleur, Newsy Lalonde, who uh, got snubbed by this whole thing because, of course, he, he was done or he was in the WHL or something like that before the heart came into existence. Um, Bill Cowley, Yammer Yager, uh, Vetchkin. Uh, Bill Cook, who didn't who didn't get a mention in our other list, I think because uh, oh I'm sorry I've moved on to the next one. Um, he's in two. My apologies. So it's sorry it's Beliveau, Lafleur, Lalonde, Cowley, Yager, and Ovechkin. So uh, a couple of those guys have uh, more than they uh, if it well this isn't the heart but more than they would you know, on the current list. And then tied for thirteenth we have a bunch more guys with two. And they are Bill Cook, who didn't get uh, didn't get more than one uh, heart in our list, and I don't think got one in real life, because which is insane, because he was like the best player of his era, or one of the two best players of his era. But anyway, Charlie Conacher again, uh, Connor McDavid, Howie Morenz, who drops a little bit because he was he he was a little more valuable. He was on a good team. Elmer Lack, Maurice Richard, and Bobby Hull. And then otherwise, uh, both of our lists in terms of one guy are uh, fairly you know, congruent with the, the main list with a few exceptions, of course, which we are going to talk about with our controversies. The one thing I want to mention before we go on to that is there's a noticeable admission on who is on the, in the top couple of players on the heart list, but is not on either of our top lists for the, uh, uh, the MVP or the best player award. And that is Bobby Clark. Ooh. He has three hearts in real life. We did, we gave him one, heart and i'm not sure we gave him a best player award um we didn't actually because he never was remotely close to the leading score in the world and i understand that there's a bunch of bobby clark truthers out there who think he's the best defensive forward in the history of the league and that's possible i I was not alive when he was at his peak um he's also extremely dirty player that might have helped that uh, oh, but anyway, every, every, a lot of players were back then too. It was kind of the area. Yeah, which yeah, played, yeah. Right? And I think yeah. actually I heard a really interesting interview with him on, um, Montreal radio a little while ago. And they were talking about, uh, uh cause he, he grew up with, uh, and still has obviously diabetes, uh, type one. Uh, and they were talking about Max Domi. Um, and obviously it's a risk with COVID. And so they were talking about that and, you know, how do you deal with it and that kind of stuff. And he's like, well, that's why I fell in the draft because a lot of, and, 
NHL teams thought, well, he's got diabetes and he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not going to be able to hack it in the NHL. And then, boy, when I got there and we were in Philadelphia and everybody was, you know, get your sticks up. Don't let them take take runs at you. And it was like, okay, I can play that way if I have to. And so uh, it, was, it was a very, very interesting interview to hear him talk about that that era and just sort of be like, yeah, everybody played like that. And we, you know, there's, there's a, a famous documentary about the Broad Street Bullies and how they became, uh, how they became, uh, the Broad Street Bullies and talks about uh, about their uh, their owner and uh, you know they they lost to St. Louis and they had a lot of European players or finesse players on their team and St. Louis just basically bullied them out of the rink and beat them in five or six games or whatever and he he came in and snapped a clipboard over his knee and he was like that's never happening to us again and then they just made sure their team was always tough as nails and he's like we might lose but we're gonna play hard and no one's gonna push us around and that, that's kind of and they've been that way ever since, right? Like, it's the team ethos, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, even a guy like Giroux, who's a skill player, if you come near him and you're really harassing him all game, he'll put a stick in your teeth, no problem. Like, <laughs> um, and Bobby Clark was sort of a, a part of that changing of the guard where they went from being a, a team just on based on skill to we can beat you up or we can beat you on the scoreboard. You choose. But if you want to play that way, we will bring it to you. And then once they realized how effective it was too, and how intimidating it could be, then they just did it all the time. So uh, it was a really, really interesting interview. Um, uh, and uh, it's sort of, he, he actually sounded, cause I, you know, I, I remember the whole Dross thing and him getting into fights with him, like, well, fights, I mean, uh, you know, arguments in the media and this back and forth and all that stuff, and, uh, borderline name calling and all that stuff. And it was, a, it was not a good era or a good look for Bobby Clark. But in this interview, he was very sort of, uh, he sounded so calm and talked really eloquently about that era and about, you know, his condition and his draft year. And I was like, wow, he's, he's, he's coming off pretty smart here. Like this is a really good interview. So, yeah. Uh, so that, that redeemed him a little bit in my eyes where it's like, yeah, we had to be violent. Everybody was, it was the hockey in the seventies. They, they made a movie called Slapshot. Did you not catch that part? <laughs> it was just like, yeah, I guess <laughs> that's the way people are going to play. Let's play that way. So. Yeah. Um, and fair enough. And no, I just wanted to more point out that, like, you know, if you go, he has those three heart trophies. And if you go by the main list, like he's one of the top, you know, seven players in history. If you if you were to use that as your maybe nine players in history, if you use that as your um, assessment, which is a really simplistic way of doing it. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to mention that that was the biggest he was the biggest drop off like Ovechkin's yeah. down to two, but Clark's down to one. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I think that's because we're 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 unable to sit there and judge his entire body of work as well oh, absolutely. when he played. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that era of '70s hockey sort of brought to the forefront how important it was to be a complete player and to be able to play tough and to be able to play defense and to match up against anybody and not back down. Like even Bobby Orr used to fight, and it was like. That's just what hockey players did back then. And so, like, yeah. I think that idea of him being such a complete player um, maybe sort of boosted the idea. Like, maybe, I, I don't know, and I'm sure there, there are some some uh, some Clark fanatics out there and, uh, and fans of Bob Ganey and stuff. Obviously, like, they, they made the Selkie Trophy. A lot of people say just for Bob Ganey because he was so good, but they he would never show up on the score sheet, so they had to find a way to acknowledge how great he was. And it's yeah. like, yeah, may, maybe Clark's the one who sort of made them lean towards that, too, where they're like, yeah, we, we, you know, this guy's so good at what he does and he's so important to the team, but he's never going to win that trophy yeah. because he's just not going to show up enough on the score sheet. So we need an award to acknowledge how, what great hockey players mm -hmm. these guys are because they're getting no recognition and it's sort of lost to history, you know? So 
Um, yeah, and there were a couple of guys like that, like Craig Ramsey as well. Yeah. He got one later in life when he was, you know, old. But, like, yeah. Craig Ramsey is another guy who... But, like, Bobby Clark did sco- show up in the score sheet, which is... Um, it's just not as much as, like, Gila Fleur, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Or, or Esposito or whatever. Um, the one, uh, sorry, it was one other thing I want to mention before we move on to the, the worst controversies, and that is uh, we also did calculate it. One episode we talked about the guys who should have won the MVPs in other leagues. And I just wanted to mention, for posterity's sake, the guys who were like, who should have won more than one MVP in the other leagues. So Tommy Smith, we gave him three uh uh, Tommy Smith, a guy who like we had definitely never heard of before we did this. Um, <laughs> we gave him three MVPs in the NHA. Uh, we gave Cyclone Taylor five in the PCHA. We gave Tommy Dunderdale two in the PCHA as well as Frank Fredrickson, a friend Rickson, pardon me. And then finally, we gave Art Gagne uh, two in the WCHL. So there's some other names that got overlooked. And Bill Cook should mention Bill Cook got a an additional one in the WCHL and New Zealand alone had like one in, in like each of them or something crazy like that. One and <laughs> yeah. two of the three. Anyway. Uh, so, you know, that gives us a very different, this just gives us a very different list than the, the current one. Um, and I certainly, uh, it certainly made me think a little differently about certain players. Um, I don't know why specifically Dickie Moore and Charlie Conacher stick out to me most, but they do, I guess, because I always just thought of them as like, to the extent I even knew their names, I only know them from doing hockey trivia online, but like I thought of them as like, you know, first line guys, you know what I mean? Had some good seasons. And then like when really looking into it, it was like, Oh, they were actually like possibly the best player in the league for like a couple years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I like, Dickie Moore, I was less surprised by I was, I was yeah. a little bit surprised by just how good he was, but I mean, you know, living in Montreal for so many years, the name yeah. Dick Moore gets bounced around the city still to this day. I mean, it's a, he has a company that rents out trailers for construction companies and those little places where you tie up your skates before you go play outdoors and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And his, his name's on every one of those trailers. So that name's going to be in Montreal forever. But um, not to mention he's up in the rafters. Uh, his number's retired. However, I don't think I realized that he was like a Hart Trophy candidate for so many years and actually, you know, deserved deserve to be the best player in the league for a couple of years like I was it was a, like I knew he was good I didn't know he was quite that good you know and it's uh, I think that was surprising um Charlie Conacher I didn't know too much about and it was sort of like why why haven't I heard that name more like I've heard it but like just why haven't I heard it more kind of thing if he was that great yeah. so yeah and, and and then the Stan Makita thing which we've talked about like it's a few yeah. little surprises like oh yeah, he was a, he was a little bit better than I thought. I can see why that name keeps popping up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was definitely better than I knew or remembered. Um, all right, so now we are going to just highlight a few uh, of the more controversial, silly ones um, that we we did talk about in more detail throughout the series. Uh, do you have a particular set you want to talk about, Bill, or should we just? Um, well, I, I was thinking for your sake, we should probably talk about all the goalie years <laughs> and then maybe pick off a few more ones that we find egregious. Um, Starting with the number one most egregious thing of all time, Al Rollins, or? Yeah, well, that, that, that was sort of the plan. Um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, uh, I, I still, I have never encountered 
so Al, so so to give people context, if you didn't listen to the episode where we like ranted and ranted and ranted about um, Al Rollins, um, sorry, I'm I'm uh, I'm in the wrong file. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> I uh, so Al Rollins, no one has yet given me explanation. Al Rollins won the heart when he was the goalie of the worst team in the league. Um, and this is at a time before everybody was tracking shots. So we don't know um, if he was just shelled to the point at which like everyone just felt really bad from, or he was making, he was sa- maybe he was saving 90% of the, the like thousands of shots he was seeing. We don't know because uh, as far as I know, there is no shot data for 1954, but he was, um, he was the goalie for the the last place Blackhawks, and they were not just last place; they were uh, 37 team points behind second last. So they were not just the worst team; they were historically a bad team. Yeah, and, well, like the Red Wings this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they may maybe not quite that bad. I honestly don't know, but like <laughs> they were, um, they were very, very, very bad. And Rollins had a year that was not in any way remarkable. And it's the funny thing is he would later have a great season for the lease. I think later, maybe earlier at a, another year in his career, he had a great season in his career that if the Vesna had been the best goalie award instead of the, the, you know what it was before, which was the, and it's now, you know, the old version of the Vesna is the Jennings. Um, he might've, uh, he might've won that in another season, but it wasn't this season. And, so, so just to go over again, Rollins was fifth in minutes, sixth in wins, first in losses, fifth in ties, first in goals against, which means the worst, uh, <laughs> sixth in goals against average, fifth in shutouts, but a three-way tie for fifth in shutouts. So tied with backups, or at least a backup. Yeah. Uh, and seventh in, in hockey reference goalie point shares, which means he wasn't even as valuable as another team's backup. And this is in the 50s when the backups didn't play that much, usually. Yeah, they played like three games a year. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think probably that year there was probably, I, I don't have it in front of me, but there was probably a platoon situation for one team, and that's why another goalie was able to amass more uh, point shares than Rollins. But the point is, he was the starting goalie on the worst team in the league, and we don't have data. Like, the only thing that could possibly explain this I guess is if he had like a 940 save percentage, which we don't know, <laughs> which we don't know, um, because I don't, I've never seen like I've seen people write this off as like oh well you know sometimes people get this wrong I've never seen someone explain like yeah. why like a good reasonable explanation for why Al Rollins was awarded this award. And I think it's got to be that they just felt bad for him, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe just like, man, that poor guy played on such a bad team and saw so much rubber this year and really held his team in some games that they should have lost 10-1. And boy, we all feel bad for him. We're kind of tired of giving it to Gordy Howe all the time. And, you know, some of us like Red Kelly and some of us like Howe, so we're going to split that vote. And some of us like Richard, so we're all going to split those votes. And hey, look at that Rollins one. <laughs> like, it, it's weird. Um, how it's comes re- in fourth, even though he won the Art Ross? I mean, it's, it's bizarro. It's, I don't know, yeah. did he do something that year? Like, did he hit somebody? Uh, he he must have, he must have pissed somebody off. <laughs> <laughs> he must have, you know? Yeah, like, it's weird. 
It's just like it makes no sense. It is definitely like total Gordy fatigue for sure. But yeah. like the one the, here's the thing though. Even if you do argue, even if the argument is he was just he was so good, and without him the Hawks would have been worse. Yeah. Like you're then saying he took a team that was twelve and forty seven and seven. And dragged them to those 12 wins. Yeah, he, exactly. <laughs> he dragged them to 12 wins. So, yeah. like, without, so is the argument that without Al Rollins, they would have won, like, two games or four or games? Zero? <laughs> or zero? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the argument. I mean, so those Blackhawks were not good. I mean, the, their leading scorer had 42 points in 66 games, and he's a guy named Larry Wilson that I have never heard of. But, <laughs> like... There have been plenty of teams throughout the history of the NHL who have had a guy who scored, you know, whatever that is, like two two thirds of a point per game as their leading scorer. You know, it's it's there's been plenty of teams and nobody else is <laughs> no one else has has had like I just there's no other precedent. Not only is there no other precedent in the NHL, I think there's no other precedent in all major North American pro sports because as I think we said during the episode we talked about this. It's a little bit like taking the worst pitcher or sorry, the pitch, the, the, the best pitcher on the worst team in the, in MLB and giving him the Cy Young um, or no, it's worse than that because that would just be giving him the, the Al Rollins, the Vesna. It's, it's like giving him the MVP, but it's also, or it's like taking the, a good quarterback on the worst team in the NFL. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what it's doing. And it's like, it's taking this like special position that like uh, I wouldn't basketball is not a good comparison because there's no equivalent to a goalie in basketball. Um, but like, and like, I don't, maybe, maybe there is a weird, weird incident in, in, cause MLB has been around for so long. It's possible that like in some, in the twenties or something, I don't know, some guy was this incredible pitcher on this really, really bad team and won the, the MVP award. But I, I, I am not aware of that. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's, um, there's there, there's a few years where if that was a thing, then like a lot of the expos could have won MVPs because the team wasn't good, but that one player was absolutely incredible. And they're like, if it wasn't for that guy, like they would not be, you know, they would not be slightly above 500. They would be just a train wreck. And, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's there's a couple there's there's a few seasons like that where individual brilliance is just like we have to give it to this guy. It doesn't matter if his team sucks or not. Like, but you have to be so good that it's just you can't deny that this guy is the best guy in the league. You know, I mean, it, I, in, in major league baseball, I mean, Tony Gwynn, right. is a really good example of that. The Padres always sucked, yeah. <laughs> um, but they had this guy who could almost hit 400 and was just unbelievable. It's like, yeah, he's going to win. Even if they don't make the playoffs, he's going to win some MVPs because he is head and shoulders, the best hitter in the game. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's examples we could look up if we dug through MLB. Um, oh yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but maybe not this, but but not egregious like this, where like the team's a train wreck, and he performed in such a mediocre way as to not make them the worst team on the planet. <laughs> well, that that's the real yeah. thing about it. It's that, like that's he hit two ninety, the... and that means that they weren't the worst. It's like what? That's yeah. That didn't get him the MVP. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, because it's pre-save percentage, we can't even look at that and say, okay, well, the argument was he had. You know, yeah, he like I said, 940 or something, and, they were and just like, totally overmatched. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then even then, I'm not sure you should do you should do that. But at least there'd be some kind of case. 
but without save percentage, there's no case whatsoever. I mean, he played, you know, what did I say? He was, he wasn't even first in minutes, you know, yeah. it's like, he didn't even like, he didn't even like, it's not like the Jacques Plant year where Jacques Plant like played just like a hundred percent of the season and was great. You know, if, if Al Rollins had done that and his team still sucked, I, yeah. I mean, I still don't like it, but I could at least maybe, maybe start to understand. But that was not what happened here. It's not what yeah. happened. <laughs> well, that, that, that's the most egregious example, I think. Yeah, it's general, the worst. It's the worst you're, one. You're much less likely than me to want to give it to a goalie ever. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but that is the know, worst one ever. As, as we've talked, you know, we've got guys like Hashik and stuff where, yes, he was clearly that good that at least it makes some sense. This yeah. one just doesn't make any sense. And there's a couple of other goalie ones that are like, really? Look. I don't think so, buddy. Um, well, like, so it, uh, Chuck Rayner yeah. is, is a good example of that. Um, and uh, Roy Waters back in 1929, when they probably still didn't know what the heart was really for, but, like, still, yeah. both of those guys were, you know, n- did not have good seasons. And specifically, the, the I don't know if you, if you had particular comments about either of them, Bill, but the one, the thing I remember loving about Roy Waters is the year Roy Waters um, won the heart, George Hainsworth had 22 shots. <laughs> yeah, and they just gave it to a guy in a worse <laughs> They gave it to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> and when, when you say 22 shutouts, that's in 44 games. Half the season. He shut out half the season. And the writers are like, you know who the better goalie is? That guy on the like the shitty the Ranger the shitty Americans, sorry, I called them the Rangers, the Americans. Rainer was like <laughs> Yeah. I mean listen, I'm I as I said in the uh, in the Jacques Plant piece, I am that's the one thing I think I'm really willing to like abandon my no goalie should ever that we should have separate goalie awards is Jacques Plant had that year is crazy. But yeah. like the Rainer and, and Warders ones, not only did they pick a goalie, which bothers me because they had some players, they, uh, some skaters they could look at, but they picked goalies who were, um, you know, just not having good years. And that's the thing that's really like Chuck Rainer in, in, in 50, he had, he had an okay year. It wasn't the worst ever. It certainly wasn't Al Rollins in 54. Mm-hmm. Um, it was way, way worse than Bill Dernan's year, the goalie for the uh, the Habs. Uh, Roy Waters um, didn't have a good year at all. And he, he really, like, he didn't play much, it seems. And, and um you know, he so he had he, hockey reference ranks him well in goalie point shares, but in and and in shutouts, but in everything else, he was like, you know, he really it was a ten team league back then, and he was he was sixth or ninth in a lot of categories, and it's like you had this guy who had twenty two shutouts, and you're like, oh, some other goalie is better, and it's just anyway, yeah. So in the Hashik ones, you know, the Hashik ones I can like, I can grudgingly accept because Hashik, I think Hashik is one of the best couple goalies of all time, if not the best. Yeah, but those like, seasons were just so, yeah, so above like almost anything anybody else was doing at the time, and the league was so defense focused, it sort of made sense for a goalie to win during that era when it was yeah. you know clutch and grab and the goal. If you had a good goalie, you could just hang on all game and let him make the saves and then just you know pop one in late and hey look at that we won two one again woo <laughs> you know that was the whole yeah. era. 
Yeah, and like I mean, so and as we talked about, you know, as you said, I think basically every time I was complaining about goalies, it's it's usually a result of disagreement about who which skater should get it. Yeah, you know, and, or it's just no skater stands out enough. Yeah, yeah, uh, or, yeah, or, yeah. Had a, or even like I, I can't think of one where like a guy scored, you know. 150 points and so did another guy and then they're like let's give it to a goalie those two guys are tied that's like sort of doesn't work that way but there are seasons where you're like oh well that guy kind of had a running mate so they both who do we vote for out of those two that doesn't make sense and then it's just like well that goalie had a great year he single-handedly brought his team to the playoffs because they're not a good team and he just played awesome all year a la jose theodore etc etc yeah that guy's the only reason they made the playoffs and they don't have anybody else who just lit the league up. They're like, well, I guess that's the guy. So, and I, I feel like the, the Hatchick Award sort of normalized it for a bit. But then, uh, except for the Carey Price here, where he went out of his mind, we haven't had a goalie win since then, really. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, so to to normalize. to to provide some data for that. So Roy Waters wins. Ace Bailey has 32 points, and that's in 44 games. And he's the he's the best like so that is you know point seven three points per game it's not great Eddie Shore has nineteen points he's probably the best player that's in the league, league. Yeah. it's between Ace Bailey and Eddie Shore the best player in the league yeah. so that's yeah that's like it's low scoring and then um, Chuck Rayner uh, Ted Lindsay has seventy eight points uh, it's a I don't know how many games they're playing but it's like they're playing seventy. Sorry, they're yeah. playing 70. So, I mean, it's it's a decent season, but it's not like a blow-your-mind yeah. season. Yeah. Um, and uh, But I still, I mean, we, I think we were both very much on, like, clearly Ted Lindsay should have won that. But yes. um, Al Rollins is the one exception to this because Gordie Howe had a great season. He so, <laughs> But, yeah. but um, then we go to uh, Hashik, and um, uh, to, to your point, Bill, uh, like you, well, you have Lemieux. Lemieux had uh, 122 points, um, but the Penguins might have been bad that year. I don't remember. It's 97. Um, no, they were a good team. Never mind. Um, so I don't know. Lemieux had a really good year that year, but Hashik had been having that was Hashik's second like phenomenal season in a yeah, row. And, and, third, and, sorry, I mean, was, his third phenomenal season. Yeah, in a row. and he was like historically good. What was it? Like 9.39, uh, yeah, or something like that. Like it was preposterous. Just they were yeah. preposterous. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why, and I, I feel like people had sort of gotten over the Lemieux thing and seen him score almost 200 points. So, yeah, you yeah. know, What's it wasn't that big of a deal to see him score a number like that. Well, um, yeah, he had, he had like, uh, he had that, you know, he had 160 in 1996. So, like, this is, like, not as good, right? And and then uh, in 98 with Hashik, Yager led the league with only 102. So there's definitely a, like, well, you know, we should give this to a goalie sort of thing. And then Theodore, because um, he's the next one, I think, on the list. Oh, I, I missed Plant. Sorry, I was going to look at Plant, too. But uh, where are you, Jose? Uh, I think, I think oh. Jose Theodore was 2001? Yeah, no. yeah. Uh, 2002. 2003, somewhere around there. 2002. So uh, okay. Todd Bertuzzi had 85 points. Um, Jerome McGinley had 96. So, again, maybe there's some struggling there. And then for Price, um, Price it was uh, Crosby had 84, Jimmy Ben had 87. So yeah. they're definitely like disappoint disappointments a little bit. Um, and then sorry, I missed shot Plant. Hold on, let me find Plant. Um, uh, Plant 62. Yeah, Plant is 62. And yeah, there was a tie 
for the league lead between uh, Bobby Hull and Andy Bathgate. And also Plant had like Plant played every game. So anyway, I think mostly though you're right that there's a like we're not sure we don't have a good candidate. Yeah. For always. Yeah. It's uh yeah I I feel like any any year where there's not a great candidate and a goalie had a knockout season they're gonna get some consideration and maybe win it. Um, but I I feel like mo- uh, not maybe not most. Let's say half the goalies that have won at least had a historically great season or dragged their key, their team kicking yeah. and screaming into the playoffs, even though they were at best an average to mediocre, like maybe even below average team. And the goalie clearly was the difference, right? Like with Price, even that year with Theodore, he was playing out of his mind and he never, I never thought he was that good of a goalie. Like I saw him let in a bad goal for Team Canada once and I never forgave him for it. Yeah. Um, but that season, even I couldn't deny that, like, man, that guy is on fire. He is making saves that make no sense. Like, he's just, for whatever reason, he's on, and he's just got it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so, so that's the goalies. Uh, that's, we covered all of them. Um, do you have any particular uh, forwards or defensemen that you wanted to pick on? Oh, well, you know I'm going to yell and rant and rave about the messy ones, but I feel like we already did that. Yeah, I think we both agreed that, like, it's okay that he won it, but he might not be the best choice in those years. And we tried to explain kind of why he got those yeah. votes. And yeah. we, thought, we thought a lot of it might be sort of – and same thing with a couple of Gretzky ones that Lemieux was probably more deserving. Um, I, think the, I think he won one when he was in L.A. and we're like, yeah, no business winning that. And like, that should have been Lemieux's. And I think – there was another year where Messier won where I think it should have either been Lemieux or Jagger, but I think it was still Lemieux back then. Um, those would have been in the early 90s, so. Yeah. Somewhere between 90 and 94, I would guess. Um, he won in 90, I think, and in 92 is when he won. Yeah. Yeah, 90 and 92. Um, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely... I was more okay with one of them than you were. I think so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was the, I think it was the 92 one where I was like, well, this is like, at least this is better. And then I think you were like, no, it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> if memory serves. Um, Cause like, I find the 91 pretty controversial, but the 92 one, I'm like, I, I don't think it should have been him, but I was like, well, you know, at least the Rangers were the best team in the league, <laughs> which the Oilers were not in 1990. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, any other ones you want to jump to? Because I, I have a few we can mention. Um, um, I, I think I might have disagreed with the Fedorov one as well. You did disagree with the Fedorov one. Yeah, yeah. I think it should have been Gretzky for that one. Um, uh, yeah, let me find Fedorov. Especially considering how good the Red Wings had become by then. Um, or, yeah, or, or actually, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I think I actually wanted to give it to Neely. That, you yeah, know, you did want to give it to which was a big yeah, which, which I mean, do for, it. for me to admit anything that, you know, favors the Bruins is, again, I'm a Canucks fan. It's a huge stretch for me, um, especially since we traded him away and he's from BC, damn it. Um, <laughs> uh, boy, did that one ever bite us in the ass. But yeah, he scored 50 goals in 49 games. And, t- and like, I know he got hurt, but that was the year where uh, Ulf Samuelson knee jobbed him, I'm pretty sure. And yeah. uh, so, I mean, and he had 74 points in 49 games, like. I know he only played half the year, but what a half a year to me. That's, I think he had to have it right. Like it's 50 goals in 49 games. And the, the winning goal scorer was 
Burray at 60 and 76 and uh, yeah. you know Fedorov had 56 in, in, in 82 so I mean even if Neely slows down considerably he easily blows those two totals out of the water that year he yeah. was unbelievable absolutely absolutely it, it would have been uh, had he finished it it would have been the highest uh, goals per game yeah. since uh, Hull or somebody yeah and, um, he, and he was never the same after that either man that really wrecked yeah. his career he could never skate after that and yeah. man, it was him, him and Bork together, man, they were like a two-man team almost. <laughs> they just yeah. flew around like they were pretty unbelievable in those days. Um, so, yeah, I, I have a bit of an issue with that Sergey Fedorov. And admittedly, I don't like Fedorov. <laughs> uh, but I would rather, <laughs> if it can't go to Neely because of the injury, I would still give it to Gretzky. But then there, I think there's a couple of Gretzky ones where I would rather go to Lemieux too. So I, and, you know. And, yeah, and, and I think the Red Wings were, uh, what were they, fourth by points and second by SRS. So they were a very good team. Yeah. So. I mean, it's it's hard to take it away from him, but I really think. Unless I think the other thing a, is the the Kings might have been awful. Yeah, but like unless you've got a def- the Bruins are a good team. Um, yeah, until that's true. they got hurt at least. <laughs> um, so I, I I think unless you have a definitive games cutoff number, which I believe you said at about sixty. Um, to yeah, me, it was ish, so exceptional ish, yeah. that even though he's short of that sixty game marker, to me fifty and forty nine is just like, you got to give it to him. Um, it's, it's, it's just an exceptional year. Um, I, I, like, I actually, I think he's the, he's the only guy I remember like, Oh my God, this guy's going to score 50 goals in 50 games, like in my life that I actually remember. And it's like, wow, yeah. that is something else. I, I vaguely remember the whole one where he just obliterated the planet, but, um, yeah. but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he hit the 50 and 50 though. I know he hit 84 goals. He probably did, but yeah, I don't remember if he did. I know we looked it up at the time. It was close. Then, it might've been yeah. like in 46 games. And they're also picky about like the, the, the official 50 and 50 is like, it has to be 50 team games, which is really stupid because like yeah. a player's injuries are not in their control. So yeah. it's, that's really st- yeah. stupid old, old time hockey thinking. Yeah. Um, what about any others you want to highlight or? Um, let's see. Uh, there was one more. Um, I, I'm not going to rant and rave about the Messi once again. I think I made my opinion known on the last one that I disagree and he should have gone to somebody else. Um, <laughs> I can't remember who it was. It's probably Lemieux or it's probably Gretzky. Because um, I got a few old-timey ones we can talk about. Yeah, and I've got uh, there's one, one more that I wanted to touch on, and I don't necessarily... I'm not going to necessarily insist that he win and we take the trophy away from Jagger because I believe Jagger was the winner that year, but it would have been the 2000-2001 season. Okay. Uh, when uh, and I don't even know if Pavel Bure got a single vote for the Hart Trophy. Oh yeah, um, yeah, that ridiculous thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He he played all 82 games. He scored 59 goals and 33 assists for 92 points. The next closest person on his team in scoring was Viktor Kozlov. Admittedly, he only played 51 games, but he had 14 goals, 23 assists for 37 points. Yeah. And Marcus Nilsson played 78 games, so basically a full season, and he had 12 goals and 24 assists for 36 points. Like, yeah. literally has nobody on the team helping him. They are just a train wreck of a team, and he is – he was only minus two on that team. Um Although, uh, t- to be fair, there are some pluses on that team, and there's a few guys who are, you know, there's no tragic, tragic minuses on that team. So I guess they were just a below-average team. Um, they did have Luongo and Trevor Kidd in net, so they were not, uh, they didn't have the worst goalies in the world. But he was the only one scoring goals. Like, that's unbelievable to outdistance your nearest teammate by almost 
you know, outscoring them almost three to one is just ridiculous. Um, yeah. And, and to not to not get any heart votes after, I mean, I guess they didn't make the playoffs, so he didn't drag them kicking and screaming, but he should have mm-hmm. got some votes, you would think, right? Like, just a yeah. guy performing that well and getting no help whatsoever. I'm, I'm not saying take it away from Jaeger, but like, Beret should have had more votes for sure. Yeah, so I, uh, I did try at some point um, to like figure out like who, who led their team um, more often by like such a drastic amount. Um, and, uh, I didn't, I didn't do the greatest, uh, job of it because I just like, I took stats classes in, in university and it's been a very, very long time, yeah. but I, Burry was way, way up at the top of that list, like in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, Gretzky was number one, obviously, and Lemieux was number two because their numbers were preposterously higher than everybody else. Yeah. But like Burry was 10th. Um, because he regularly, you know, on on most teams, he outscored his teammates by a large, large amount of, um, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, it is that, one that, of those that's, things. That's a weird year, too, because it's um, Lemieux only plays 43 games, but he scores 76 Seven, points. Yeah, yeah. So, again, sort of like a Neely-esque season where it's like, man, like if you're going to break the you didn't play enough games rule, it's for that kind of production. Um, but then, uh, you know, you had Sackick with 118 points. Uh, you had Jagger with 121. So that's quite a bit above what Burry was doing. Yeah. But they were they were admittedly on much better teams <laughs> than, uh, than yeah. uh, the team that Burry was on. And he, he didn't get any votes. Like he didn't no, get a it, single it, first place vote. It's insane. Marcus Naslund, though, and he yeah, showed no. um, So, I think Maddox one of the... Had yeah, well, check <laughs> Not first place uh, votes, but still. <laughs> again, very opposed to goalies yes. getting Hart Trophy votes, but I... Oh, it wasn't... Maybe it wasn't this year. There was one year that Czech Manic was really, really good. It might yeah, have been. Him, well, it was him and Bredur both got, uh, got some votes that year, I guess, for second and third place, but not yeah. for first. Yeah, but, like, I think we talked about this a lot, especially with uh, with regard to more the, the the Norris, I think, but I think it's true. I actually I tried to figure it out at some point, um, on on by looking at like if it was a common thing, but um, and I'll just see. I'll try to pull up if I have the data, but like there is definitely a bias a towards East Coast markets, which doesn't fit Burry's case in this yeah. stent in this instance, but also to actual markets and yes. like nobody nobody watches the panthers oh no, you know? nobody still knows. and and <laughs> and especially i mean that year okay we have we have better tv but like you know it's it's i don't know if i wanted to watch a panthers game that not playing a canadian team that you year able to yeah i'm not sure i would have been able to and i think that plays a really uh big part in in this stuff um i'm just trying to see if i can if i did actually because i ah here we go i found it um i was trying to see if there was like a pattern in the awards votes yeah um but i was doing it not by market size i was doing it by uh um by time zone Mm -hmm. and so this is what i found and it's it's listen folks this is back of the envelope like you know, don't <laughs> don't come after me for like being 
like really imprecise because this is imprecise, but this is what I found. Hart, 61% of Hart Trophy winners were in the Eastern time, uh, Conference. Uh, sorry, time zone. But the problem with this, of course, is that for a long time, most of the teams were in the Eastern Conference. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. And the Hart is the oldest award. So you should. But here's the thing. It gets worse for the newer awards. Yeah. So Norris, since the 1950s, 80% Eastern, Con- Eastern time zone. Selkie, uh, since 78 78 percent vesna the new version of the vesna since 82 86 percent now how many of the teams were in like i don't off the top of my head um i think it's uh i don't know uh i'd have to gotta be at least half the league is in eastern yeah yeah so it's not that out of whack but it's still out of whack and the same the same could probably be said if you did market size by like you know either by like what nielsen says or by uh actual population Mm-hmm. probably find a similar bias yeah. you know people don't pay attention to certain markets and yeah, uh, well, i mean if you think about it from our perspective right like it's you know I, I'm, I'm a canucks fan so if i want to stay up and watch a canucks game like it starts at 10 or 10 30 it finishes at you know at like best case ontario finishes at like what 12 12 30 12 45 yeah so like if i have to get up for work at six or seven in the morning like that's brutal that sucks you know like and you're trying to get excited about your team but you're really tired and you're just so you just you know unless unless it's a playoff game you're like i I think i'm gonna watch the first period and go to bed like how can i do this to myself um and you know when i was when i was younger and a little bit more of a rabid fan and the canucks didn't suck so much (laughs) and it was you know sort of must-see viewing i did end up watching Back in uh, the 2010-2011 season, I ended up watching every single game. But, yeah. you know, I was also a single guy who, you know, I could get my ass out of bed after three, four hours of sleep, go to work, be tired all day, and then come home and take a nap. You know, like, yeah. it's uh, for, for, for anybody who's, uh, you know, who's, who's you know, a, a homeowner or has kids, like, just forget about it. There's You can't stay up and watch those games. So a lot of those players, nobody watches them live. So you only see some highlights and you hear about how good he is and you read about how good he is, but it's not the same as watching him play all the time. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of those players in, in this time zone don't get enough credit unless they really are just like, man, you got to watch what this guy's doing out there. And then people start to pay attention. Well, it takes takes almost like a little campaign for people to start recognizing what he's up to out there. So even for teams as far West as like Colorado or Calgary, like, it, it was it was a while before people realized how just how damn good Jerome McGinley was, right? Like it kind of yeah. took a little bit, and then it was like, yeah. oh man, this guy's really good. <laughs> well, so. just with your point uh, about Messier as well, you put Burry on the Rangers. Yeah. Not not when he was had no knees left, but yeah. when he's when he's scoring almost sixty goals in the Deb Puck era. Yeah. I mean, he gets. He may not win the heart. He might. But he might, but he gets like he's probably coming in second. Oh yeah, it's piles. That, you put that season on the Rangers or another prominent US TV market or 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 a prominent Canadian TV market. Yeah. And and that he is he's definitely not getting left off the like he's not, he's not getting zero first place votes anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, yeah, it is it is it's unfortunate that that's the world we live in. Though I think the world has changed a lot because of the internet. And yeah. you know, one of the positives about like you know guy on his couch being able to have a blog and stuff is that like sometimes this stuff is called out and sometimes people actually recognize that they should pay attention to other people but there's then it goes the other way right like i remember 
and listen, I, I don't know anything. I never see him play, but I remember like the narrative on Ekman Larson started out as he's amazing, but nobody watches him. Yeah. And then it went from that to now it's like, he's the most overrated player in the league because well, he finally got paid. And also he's not, he's yeah. not the only guy on that team anymore, but I, I, yeah. I also feel he, he had an injury, didn't he? And he was out for a I think, while. Yeah, he did. I think. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I think that's really affected his, his, uh, his, his but, ability to sort of bounce back. I, I actually think that this, this COVID break that we're going through right now, I think a lot of guys who were hurt or had been having a bad season because they were playing, you know, without the proper training and stuff, have probably been working out and caught up, and are now going to be flying coming into the playoffs because they finally got they got rest they weren't expecting to have, right? So like, yeah, absolutely. Instead of just but, being drained going into the playoffs, they're all going to be fresh. It's going to be insane. I bring him up though as like there's there's two sides to this, right? On the one hand, somebody like him who maybe wasn't getting the recognition he deserves at first got a lot of attention because the because people can watch video of him play when he's not actually when a game isn't live and all this stuff. But then there was a backlash of like you know like talking about him apparently like talked about him too much and then like yeah. suddenly there was like well this guy isn't really as good as people were saying and well those people were maybe watching him in different seasons from the people who were first like no one knows who he is you know yeah yeah like i i feel like some of that happened with shea weber too where yep. like the people who watched him play were like this guy's incredible and then by the time everyone caught on he was older and creepier yeah. and not quite as as good and yeah, not, people, not as mobile, and he's he's had yeah. a couple of surgeries as well and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's still extremely effective, and he's got that absolute bomb of a shot. Um, yeah, like he shot the puck through the net multiple times. But I remember knowing that like he and Suter formed a re- really great D pairing in Nashville, but they were so small market and defensive minded. Like they, you're like, oh, they'll squeak into the playoffs and get eliminated right away, because the minute that first pairing's not out there, they're you know they just can't keep up, and they you know they have good goaltending, but nobody can score for them, and then. There was, you know, when when Shea Weber, you know, made the 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 Olympic team in 2010 for Team Canada, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're like, this guy is unbelievable. Yeah, and, yeah. And all that's that's also sort of when it was him and uh, Duncan Keith and Drew Doughty, and they kept wheeling every once in a while. They put Scott Niedermeyer out there, but yeah. in the gold medal game, if you go watch the third period, they're basically the only four defensemen who play that whole third period. Yeah, I, I think they sort of figured out that I, I think who else was it? I think it was Seabrook because they had Keith and Seabrook together at the beginning. And then they're like, Seabrook can't skate with these guys like because <laughs> yeah, yeah. the Americans are fast. They, that, that's the one hallmark that team had. They were really fast. And so it was like he's going to get caught flat footed and get beat wide or something. So they they kept him on the bench and somebody else uh, Pronger, I think, um, just because he was because he, yeah, he, he was even that on that team. I don't remember. I believe he was. I think they had him and Niedermeyer sort of as the veteran statesman of it. And then I, I'm pretty sure by that third period, they were they were very reticent to put him or Seabrook out there because the speed factor was so high. And they're like, you know, Niedermeyer's old, but he can kind of keep up, but he's a little slow. And the only guys who can really skate with these guys are, you know, Weber with Keith uh, or, you know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'd forgotten Bronger was on the team. Yeah. But it was, I just, I just remember that third period and just all of a sudden noticing like, man, Doughty's out there a lot for a young guy. Cause he was really young then. Yeah, and, I was, was. And, and I was just like, holy shit, is he ever good? And then, uh, uh, you know, being a Canucks fan, I already knew Duncan Keith was incredible, but he was even better in 2010. And I'm like, this guy is like, he can play half the game. He's out there all the time. And I think at one point, like Keith was, 
it was Keith and Niedermeyer, and they were just sort of rotating to either be with Doughty or Weber. And even sometimes they play Doughty on the left side and keep Weber out there. Like they were just, we have to have our best D-men out there because the Ameri- like we've got the Americans, the game's under control, but they have this game-breaking speed. And if we put the slow guys out there, we're going to get burned. Like they just knew yeah. somehow. It was unbelievable. Um, and that's that's that era where you sort of, all of a sudden, these guys who, you know, all those defensemen, play out in the Western conference. And then all of a sudden, I think the East coast of Canada sort of like, Holy crap, those guys are good. Thank God we yeah. have them. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I, oh, absolutely. And I think that happens like, that's the one equal, well, like prior to the internet. Anyway, that was the one equalizer it, but like, of course, when the, when the pros didn't play um, at the Olympics, you could, it, I guess it's the world championships. And then back when, when TV was, uh, you know, not great. How the hell are you watching the world championships? Probably yeah, not watching them. Yeah, and I, I remember from that tournament, like uh, Canada lost that that first game to the Americans, which pissed me off to no end. <laughs> we ended up coming back, and thank God we beat them. But they just gave us fits because they were so fast. And in that game, of course, Ryan Kessler was a huge pain in the ass and scored a big goal. It was just everywhere and annoying. And uh, they they were talking to Wayne Gretzky. Obviously, he wasn't involved with Team Canada anymore in terms of uh, of like GMing the team or anything. And they said, like, what's what's been the biggest takeaway from you from the tournament so far? And it was before the gold medal game. And he's like, I can't believe how good Ryan Kessler is. I had no idea he was that good. And it's like, even Gretzky's like, I, I, I don't have time to watch all these guys. And like, yeah. man, well, is he much better than I thought. Like, We saw that. We saw that when he was coaching and he went and he picked the, the 2006 team. And you're all like, what the fuck? Like, why are you picking these guys? And yeah. uh, it was, well, he was busy coaching. <laughs> he yeah. didn't have time. Um, so do anybody else you want to, uh, discuss about a particularly egregious, uh, award? Cause there's a, there's a few others I can, I can mention. Um, that's, that, that's good. I'm willing to rehash those with you. All right. So one, one is, uh, um, Thomas Anderson or Tom Anderson, rather, uh, in 1942, he was a defenseman. Um, he, he was on the Brooklyn Americans and they missed, they were the only team in the league that missed the playoffs in 1942. Um, and we, we speculated that he, uh, he won because, uh, he shattered the record for points by a defenseman. He had, um, I don't have it in front of me. I don't think, Oh yes, I do. Uh, he had, he had 41 points, which I think was like, it might've been 10 more, or something than the previous record. And this is a 48 game season. So it was a lot. Um, but of course he was a winger who had just been moved to defense. And I don't know to what extent he was playing defense and his team was bad. Um, and uh, he, he didn't run away with it, but he had 32% of the vote. And um, you know, there were guys who scored 56 points that year and uh, they were, uh, they were on the best team in the league. <laughs> yeah. So it just seemed like a weird thing to do. And in fact, if my memory serves, uh, only one of them, uh, one of those two guys who were the two best players in the on the best team in the league, got a first, got votes. Uh, Lim Patrick, Brian Hexall didn't get any, and they had like pretty identical seasons. Uh, Brian Hexall won the Art Ross and didn't and didn't get a vote. So um, that was like it was a weird one. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems, it, sorry, go ahead. It, it looks like you know that old classic thing where all those guys played on the Rangers. And they all ended up splitting some of the vote up, you know, <laughs> like it's just, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. That, but it, but it, when you look at the voting percentages, it doesn't look like that. That's what happened at all. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It thinks like it seems like that that would be the rational explanation. And you see, well, still apps got lots and lots of votes. And I, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I think in an okay year. Um, the Leafs were, uh, you know, I don't even remember if they were any good. Um, and then, yeah, it was just it was just one of those years where, like, it's like, it's something like people were just like, oh, my God, 41 points by a defenseman. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, like, that seems to have taken over. Um, another one back then that's a little iffy is uh, Billy Birch in 1925. Um, his team was good. Uh, they were the best team in the league by points, second best in uh, SRS. Um, but he was not the best player on his team by a lot. He led his team in goals, but he was way back in other things. Um, and that, and he was league wide, he was way down and like, you know, he was 16th in assists that year, six in goals, uh, 10th in points, like really not great. Um, and we hypothesized that, uh, it might've had something to do with, depending on when the vote was held, it might've had something to do with the Tigers player strike. Yeah. You know, that like maybe the writers were trying to show solidarity with the players, um, or there was some other reason uh, we don't know. I mean, he led the league in goals, so maybe they just looked at the goals and were just like, yeah, this guy. It's it's hard to know. Um, and then is there any others from, from back then? Uh, oh, yeah, Evie Goodfellow in 1940 um, with the Red Wings. They were the fifth best team by points, sixth by SRS. That is in a six-team league. Um, and Min- Milt Schmidt was just like at a great year. And yeah. it was just kind of like, okay, like he won, he won the heart another year when he didn't have a good year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. Just like, like he kind of, he didn't get the one he should have got, but he got one that he shouldn't have. Yeah. Had, so he didn't and, even and, know. But. and this was a real split year. The good, good fellow got twenty eight percent. Apps got twenty four percent. Dick Clapper got twenty percent. So like voters were just like could not make up their minds. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then. But uh, I mean, shit so, had so many more points than the next person. Like I don't know how he didn't get it. Yeah, no, it, it makes it makes no sense. And then uh, Babe Seabird in 1937. Uh, this is one where um, we talked a lot about the narrative. Uh, he he scored, um, I don't remember how many, but he had a bunch of points. He also, I believe, he had been uh, traded, and it was like viewed as like he had an impact on the team, but like his numbers were just nothing compared to, uh, you know, it's one of those things that maybe, maybe if we sat down and watched a video or the tape of the guy playing, yeah, we would be like, wow, this guy really, really was a, a fantastic player, even though it doesn't show up as much um, compared we're, to before. We, we might have a hard time finding tape from 1937. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but like, you know, this is a year that uh, Sweeney Shiner um, had a really uh, good season. Larry Allery, had a really good season and, uh, and Salaf had a good season and, and anyway, it was just, Oh, and, 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 uh, Marty Berry too. Um, yeah. and it just seemed like, uh, like, again, it was, there was a little bit of division in the votes, but like, it's, it's, it's hard to know why, like, it, it, I, I, I don't have the, uh, the Wikipedia article in front of me, but I feel like we read something about like he switched teams or something. And there was something about like how he, he just, there was a narrative element that, that suggested that, like, you know, people were telling themselves stories. Yeah. Um, 
we were we one of the ones we gave to Charlie Conacher was 1935, uh, where it was given to Eddie Shore, and we thought that Charlie Conacher was just had a great year. Um, and uh, well, I mean, we weren't there. Eddie Shore might be one of the best defensemen in history. A lot of people think he is, so it's entirely possible he deserved it. But Charlie Conacher had a hell of a year, yeah. and um, it seemed like a little bit, um, you know, a little weird. Uh, 1934. There's a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> or uh, Joliet, uh, also uh, another year that Charlie Conacher probably should have won it, um, where he just it was it was one of the things where he was he was like the best player on a not very good team, and he was older, and so we sort of assumed that maybe there was a there was an element of like well this guy's not gonna be around for forever, um, yeah. let's give him a heart, and then in 27, uh, Herb Gardner. Uh, another defenseman um, were not, we were just really not sure. It was basically, it was Bill Cook's award to win. Bill yeah. Cook had a uh, most point shares in the history of the league. He had uh, 37 points uh, in a, at a time when nobody scored a lot. And um, Gardner won barely 24% to 23% of the vote. And uh, they, they split the vote. And we really, I mean, I think the thing is that like, it was early days of the heart, and we think that maybe um, it was just they weren't sure how, who to vote for yet. And and yeah. Herb Gardner, maybe it was there really was just a like the king, the Canadians are best defensive team in the league, and he's you know he's a he's a good defenseman. So you know that that might be that might be why. Um, yeah. Going forward in time, we've got the 1959 uh, Andy Bathgate one. Yeah, which, I remember that one. Where we were like, we really thought Dickie Moore clearly, clearly deserved it. He he set a record um, for the most points in the history of the league, and uh, he was on a good team. And Bathgate was not on a good team. Uh, they missed the playoffs, <laughs> and Bathgate might have deserved it another year, but not this year. Yeah. And uh, this one, I I I remember being incensed about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, and I, I mean, even uh, you know, John Bellivo had the most points per game in the league. You could have given it to either him or Moore. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know, another one of those like let's split the vote up, maybe you know, like yeah, more more only had one first place vote. He set a new record for points. Yeah, yeah, it was bizarre. Bellyville had zero first place votes. Yeah, it was really, really. It was like they were second. Like it's it's ridiculous. It was like they were determined not to give it to the two <laughs> yeah, best players. Not giving it to the Habs. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another one is 1944, Babe Pratt. I'm going to try and go in chronological order instead of jumping around, but we'll see. Babe Pratt, um, uh, for the Maple Leafs, he, they were a mediocre team in a 16 league. They were in the middle. Um, he he had, you know, a lot of, he had a lot of point shares, but like uh, Herb Kane uh, set the record for points. Now he was on a bad team. Um and it was one of those where it was pretty clear no one could make up their minds. This is one of the closest votes in history. Um, yeah, super close. Yeah, Pratt had uh, 97, per- oh, sorry, 27% of the vote. Kelly had 26. Yeah, and, so that's probably one vote. <laughs> yeah, it was probably one vote, yeah. And uh, and Bill Kelly, I believe, is the guy who we thought should win that one um, because he was, as usual, he was amazing. Um, and then another one, uh Sorry, um, we have uh, 48, Buddy O'Connor. Um, a uh, this is one of those. This is a Taylor Hall type award where the Rangers 
just eked into the playoffs, and so the voters gave it to the guy who was the best player on the worst playoff team. <laughs> because yeah. you know you dragged your team to the playoffs, um, yeah. and this was this was uh, it. This was not close. Yeah, at all. Well, at, at least with this one, like Elmer Locke has sixty-one points, Bentley has fifty-seven, O'Connor has sixty. At least yeah. he's like right there with them. It's yeah. not like. He had 45 points, but his team was bad. But if it wasn't for him, like, I don't think it's as egregious as some of the other ones. No. Um, but, like, he won it pretty handily. It was, like, yeah, that's, should the, have been I that, think, it should have been closer, at least. I think the thing that we were, like, pointing out is the controversy is Connor got, O'Connor got 10 first place blows. Lack got one, you know? And it's like, wait a minute here. You, you know, like, Lack's on the better team and uh, and had a slightly better year. And uh, and and only one person was like, yes, yeah. he's the best player in the league. Um, oh, that one. We're going to skip that one. Uh, OK. And then we have. Uh, oh, we talked about Chuck Rayner already. My apologies. Uh, Milt Schmidt. So Milt Schmidt really deserved one earlier that he didn't win. But in 51, he totally didn't deserve it. Uh, the Bruins were not great, but he somehow got 10 first place votes. Uh, this is in 1951, if I didn't say so. Uh, Gordie Howe had a phenomenal year, as usual. Um, yeah. And Gordie Howe got zero first-place votes, because why not? Yeah. Um, so that that's uh, that's from the, the sort of original six era. And then from... Um, oh, yeah, but uh, you, you should also mention that the year that Milt Schmidt won could have been a controversial year, because who won the Fezzana? Al Rollins. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, I think that was the year. I think that was the year that Al Rollins actually deserved some some kind of recognition exactly. because he had a good year. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was twenty six, six and seven with a one point seven seven GAA and uh, five shutouts. <laughs> so he actually had a great year. So. Yeah. Yeah. So so um, the expansion era, we actually have some pretty. The the awards were pretty good. We 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 talked about two Bobby Clark awards where we both thought probably someone else should have won them uh, 75 and 76 but we were okay that he won with them like we were yeah. like i mean when we did our list we awarded them to uh other players uh i believe Guy Lafleur and uh bobby orr but in the moment i think we were both like well you know yeah, as you I'm, said earlier bill we can't watch we didn't watch him play yeah um, and he and but he won handily in 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 76 he just he like he won by a lot whereas yeah. 75 it was close I'm, 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 you know, it's when I, I never got to see that era, but like, I assume had I watched that era, I probably would have, you know, been like Bobby Orr should win it every year until he retires, unless he doesn't play enough games. <laughs> yeah, that, that was I, in my attitude. Yeah. I, I, I will, I will mention that um, since we recorded that episode, I, I read a post on the, the history of hockey forum, sub forum of hockey's future, where someone actually broke down a bunch of, uh, I think the, the 75 year a bunch of games where they pointed out that Bobby Orr was beating up on bad competition. Really? Like he got a lot of points against like shitty teams. And now I didn't, didn't read the whole thing because I am, I'm a bit of a Bobby Orr truther. Like I think he's the best hockey player in history without actually having been alive when he was playing. Um, and so like, I was just like, ah, this disagrees with my preconceived notion. So I'm not going to read that much <laughs> of it, but it was, it was an interesting point and he was trying to prove, um, you know, that, maybe Bobby Clark did indeed deserve the heart, which I thought was an interesting take. So that's out there. If you guys want to look for it, you can go look for that argument. Um, 
going ahead to the uh, the 80s, uh, we we both agreed there was a little bit of controversy around Wayne Gretzky winning his first heart in 1980. It was probably should have been Dion um, yes. because the Oilers were not good. Neither were the um, Kings, but Dion, uh, that's like the one year, <laughs> you know, yeah. like give, give him his heart trophy. Give him his heart um, trophy before Gretzky takes over the complete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, um, no, that was not, sorry. I'm just trying to find the next controversial one. Um, I, I'm not finding them so far. Oh yeah. Um, 88 Marlemieu getting it, um, when he had a year that was, you know, um, in some ways better than Gretzky's in some ways, uh, worse than Gretzky's, um, Gretzky, Missed a bunch of games though, and that was so it was like, well, does Lemieux get it? Lemieux made it into 13 more games, but like Gretzky had like a significantly better points per game. Um, and uh, I think so there was a titch of controversy there. Um, yeah. and then also, um, in 89, the reverse of it basically, they swapped where like mm. the other guy got it as like a compensation from the previous year, but it was it was the opposite. Um, Lemieux missed a couple more games than Gretzky. Gretzky had a worse season by points per game. Lemieux had a great season. Um, he had 199 points. <laughs> yeah, they gave, but they gave it to Gretzky because yeah. reasons. Because he just moved to LA and that was a big yeah. deal. And, yeah. yeah. So they, they just should have flip flopped those awards. Their totals end up being the same, I think, but they, they got the years wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we're gonna we're just gonna hop. We're just gonna not look at that Messier thing because you already talked about it. Rabble, um, rabble, rabble. <laughs> and then uh, um, the next one, the Brett Hall one, we agreed there was a touch of controversy in 91 uh, because uh, Wayne Gretzky had a hell of a year. And uh, I believe in our count, we gave it to him. Um, Brett Hall, you know, scored a ton of goals. He he scored the second most ever by a player. Yeah. Uh, in the But he also only, he had almost twice as many goals as he had assists. It's worth noting. Yeah. Um, so he did because at the time he did one thing and and <laughs> and so in the spirit of more all complete play uh and and having better numbers uh we decided that um gretzky should probably get it instead yeah. and then uh you mentioned uh the fedorov season i remember getting there sorry i just i'm having to search for these so Apologies for my taking forever for this stuff. Um, okay, and then in, in 95, um, we agreed that there was a tiny bit uh, controversial uh, just because Paul Coffey got zero first place votes in a year where he scored uh, 58 points in 45 games and the Red Wings were the best team in the league. Yes. Um, that's not to say that Lindros didn't deserve the award, but that it was more crazy that Coffey got zero first place votes. It was really the thing that I think we were highlighting. Um, and then, uh, we talked about Hashik, which I pointed out unnecessarily. And then, um, and, and then we also, we did, you mentioned Theodore, um, and we just, I think we also mentioned that, yeah, there was just not a, oh yeah, yeah. There wasn't like a just absolutely outstanding forward year. Um, you know, and that's the year again, the league in uh, points, but missed the playoffs. So, um, that would be one reason. Um, and then jumping ahead to the century, or in further into the century, we have the 2010 um, Henrik Sedin 
award where uh, Ovechkin had a pretty damn good year. Henrik Sedin did too. Um, but we, it was a landslide for Henrik. Yeah. Uh, and oh no, sorry, it wasn't quite a landslide. My my apologies. I was looking at the wrong thing. Actually, it was a lot closer than I thought. Um, yeah. But uh, it it did. I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly what we said about this one. Well, I, uh, I think I think we um, we sort of agreed that Ovechkin and Crosby had sort of split their vote. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, that's and right. Missed right. Some ga- Ovechkin missed some games there, which probably cost him the Art Ross. And that's if he right. Won the Art Ross, he probably would have won the trophy. Um, you're, so, you're, yeah, you're, you're dead on about that. Yeah, because Ovechkin like, had the better year by points per game. Yep, correct. Yeah. yeah. So, but but Crosby also had 21st place votes. So that yeah. might be people that were like, I'm never voting for Ovechkin. I'm I always think Crosby's better, and therefore, you know, Sadiq was able to sneak ahead. Um, yeah. He had a fantastic season, but I don't think anybody, even myself, would ever say that he's better than Crosby or Ovechkin. Um, And, you know, let's even if we say all three of their years were comparable, um, you know, I I I think what what actually did that one for Henrik and he had so many points is that that was the year Daniel got hurt. And so for the first time in their careers, they weren't really playing together for part of the season. Yeah. And then Henrik was like went on a tear and it was like, oh, man. And then the next year, Daniel did it when Henrik got hurt. So it's like. Because Henrik had 29 goals that year, and he I don't think he ever scored 20 ever again. Um, he just wasn't a goal scorer. But without Daniel there, he's like, well, I better just shoot the puck because I don't have my buddy there to tip it into the net for me. So yeah. he was a little bit less of a pass-first player and actually shot the puck and did extremely well and in a way carried the team while Daniel was out. Um, and so I think that's sort of particularly why he won it that year. Um, yeah. And, and, and then... Sorry. Then, Go ahead. Yeah, the next the next season, uh, uh, it's Corey Perry that wins it, but Daniel Sedin had his 104 point season. So like two, you know, yeah. two Art Rosses, but it's like they win the Art Ross because Crosby's out. Uh, you know, Ovechkin had a down year, and it's like, well, that's all it takes. Yeah, and and this one was Crosby missed so many games, so you couldn't give it to him, yeah. and so then it was like, well, who do you give it to? And um, for reasons that. You know the the typical drag drag uh, drag a guy to the playoffs or drag a team to the playoffs. Corey Perry won it, um, and also if if I think I remember you saying and me agreeing with you that Corey Perry had like a couple big goals right at the end of the season to hit fifty, and so there was a real strong narrative pull, and yeah. and uh, yeah, it just it just seemed like you know Daniel, who should have probably won the award because this is the year that the the Canucks were like the best team in the league. Yeah. Um, he just didn't have the same narrative. And of course he had his, his brother just won the heart. And so you could say, yeah. well, you know, they're playing together and that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So then we have 2013, which was a year, which I remember throwing up my shoulders and being like, I don't throw my hands in my shoulders and saying like, I have no idea because, um, uh, Crosby, if memory serves. Yeah. Crosby missed a quarter of the season. Wow. Uh, despite having the best numbers of anybody by a lot. And this was given to Ovechkin, who just didn't have a great year exactly. You know, like if you compared it to San Luis, but I think San Luis, I think the 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 Kings were, or sorry, the Kings, I'm sorry. Um, the Lightning were just bad uh, this year too. So then it was like the first two obvious choices were not good. And yeah. so that's why people voted for Ovechkin. Um but like there was a a pretty um you know 
as much as it pains me to say it, there seemed to be a fairly good case for Patrick Kane, um, given that he, you know, he he and Ovechkin tied for uh, um, for points per game. Kane missed a game, and of course Kane was on the better team. Yeah, but by a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, this was the one I was just I couldn't decide whether <laughs> who I thought because Crosby and San Luis had the best years, and then of course they were not really eligible by conventional uh, versions of things. Um, do you do you remember who you thought was the best option there? Or? Um, I think I had still gone for Crosby. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had. Yeah, yeah fair enough. That. You know, he, he played fewer games, but it was still two thirds of a shortened season, or at least, or or three quarters. And it's like, well, yeah, he had this pretty much the same number of points as Ovechkin. How come he's not getting it? Like, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. To me, to me, that should have been Crosby's award easy if he didn't get hurt. So I, I'm okay with him winning it because everybody else sort of bunched together. But it's a shortened season too, right? So I mean, yeah. you know, you have so many guys within a few points of each other, and it's. It's I I would say that's probably the one that Ovechkin doesn't deserve, but I think there's another one that he should have won and didn't. So I think yes. yeah. I think it's sort of like the the Gretzky and Lemieux. They switched years where they should have won, and so it it comes out in the wash. It's not uh, not punishing anybody. It's not like when Mark Messier won and Lemieux should have won both of those, um, which he yeah. should have, and he should have five. <laughs> um, and so lastly, we have Taylor Hall, um, perhaps the most infamous recent one aside from uh, Corey Perry. Um, we're very much drag team to the playoffs narrative, full on all out drag team to the playoffs narrative, because as as we probably talked about, um, people mentioned the same thing you mentioned about Pavel Burry yeah. a few minutes ago was like Taylor Hall was like 20 points ahead of his next best player. Might have been 30. I don't remember with a lot. Uh, of course, he did not have the best year of the candidates and the, the Devils were not any good. <laughs> so they were, they were a, they were a bad team that he made acceptable. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, well, it's, it's just like that year that, except like the Burry year was obviously way more of like, oh my God, your team's garbage and you're the only guy scoring. Taylor Hall was the scoring engine of that team, much in the way yeah. that I guess Kovalchuk used to be for them too, where they have that one star player and the rest of the guys just play a good hard yeah. game and be really defensively responsible. And eventually that guy will score us a big enough goal that we'll win. Um, but it, it, I don't know how that one wasn't McDavid's. Like, just... Well, I think if memory serves, he didn't make the playoffs, which was why they and that it was. But I, I, I gave it to McKinnon because McKinnon at least McKinnon had a, he made the playoffs and he was on a, a significantly better team than Taylor Hall. Um, but it could have also gone to Giroux that year unless the Flyers also didn't make the playoffs. No, I, I, I they did. Uh, I'm pretty sure they made the playoffs. So yeah, it could have also gone to Giroux. Yeah, um, yeah, there were a couple good choices who were better than Taylor Hall. Um, of course, uh. They didn't have the same narrative. Um, yeah, so that's that's all the the various controversies, the, the biggest controversies. Um, any other thoughts about uh, the heart before we finally put, put the nail bed. in the series, put it to the bed? Yeah. Um. Well, I think Drysaddle's going to win it this year. I think I'm okay I, with that. I think we discussed. I'm okay that. with that. Yes, yes, yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, and uh, I I I think if anybody can draw a conclusion from our little series on the heart trophy here, it's that like we need. Um, more transparent voting like who did you vote for and why and yeah. also just like a, a sort of a like a who can possibly like like a definition of who can win the heart the player judged most valuable to his team either a player that brought his team to the playoffs 
through his, you know, otherworldly performance or a great player on a really great team who outdistanced all of his competition, like just outscored everybody, something like that. And then like a rule of like, can it be given to a goaltender or not? Like just yeah. be clearer about what, what the parameters are so people can vote more like, okay, well, are you going to vote for that guy who dragged his team to the playoffs by being the best scorer on his team? Or are you going to vote for that guy who annihilated the league while his team was like in first place for months? <laughs> Which guy are you going yeah. with? But at least you'd know that those are sort of the two acceptable who you're going to vote for kind of guys, you know, or maybe, maybe even get to the point where the league names a short list of 10 guys and that's the only guys you can vote for. I don't know. Um, it's, I, I feel like people wouldn't like that because there's less control. Um, I feel like the league would really like that because they like to have control. <laughs> and I feel like the sort of the players in the media wouldn't like that as much, but I, I think the biggest thing to do is for people to publish their ballots, right? Like they started doing that with baseball where there's, I think there's still a few guys who don't. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, they, you know, they, they do publish like uh, was it Jeter just got in. And there's one guy who didn't vote for him. <laughs> it's like everybody's yeah. like, who's that guy? And it's like, yeah, yeah. All right, relax, guys. Relax. Maybe you voted for Barry Bonds instead. Relax. <laughs> but like, but like you would want it, like, I think they should have to put their name to it so that you know how they vote. Yeah. So at least, at least like you, you get rid of the silly, the really silly votes. Yeah. Like, like I should be able to know you know, much in the same way as the Hall of Fame, where I should be able to know who voted for Kevin Love. I should be able to know who yeah. voted for, uh, let's see, who's who's going to get vo- who's going to get a vote this year, who shouldn't. Um, <laughs> I got to think well, of a team. It's uh, who's going to vote for. Well, but you're you're uh, right about the like, because it is often if you go far enough to down to the bottom of the heart voting, you'll yeah. see like people where like they just like the local beat writer picked like their favorite not even yeah. the best player on the team their favorite player on the team who, and you're like yeah what who, who this year's gonna vote for uh jacob markstrom in vancouver yeah, yeah was yeah. he their best player this year yes were they gonna make the playoffs uh by like a quarter of a percentage point so i really don't feel like he should win the heart trophy if you want to give yeah. him the team mvp award go for it he had a great year he is not He's not having a historically great season by any stretch. Therefore, should not get a single vote for the Hart Trophy. And I think he's actually sort of proved himself, at least this year, in terms of who was playing well, like a top 10 goalie in the league. He was outstanding. Without him, we would we would have had no chance because we gave up shots like a, like a leaky boat. It was terrible. But, like, he was great, but he wasn't like, let's give him the Hart Trophy great. And that's sort of the way I feel about the Taylor Hall one, too. It's like, yeah, he did play great. We all know he played great. He still shouldn't win the hard trophy for that. Like he was not the best player in the league. He was a really good player on a really bad team, and he had a great year in spite of his teammates' crappiness. You know, yeah. I don't. I don't think that should. If if you do something like, let's say Taylor Hall had led the league in scoring on the worst team in the league, you're like, or or a team that barely made the playoffs, you're like, okay, he led the league in scoring too. That's pretty phenomenal. He didn't have any help. That I, I'm okay with. You know, but it's. I, I just feel like we need a system where it's either more transparent or the guidelines are more clearly laid out. Really? Yeah, I, I, I agree. To, I think every hockey fan would appreciate it to be like, okay, I know who should win the heart based on this is sort of the, this is the sweet zone of you can win it if you're having a historically great season on no matter how shitty your team is, uh, you know, but like it has to be like you broke records uh, or you're, you know, the best player on a team that's run roughshod over the whole league. Or 
you dragged your team to the playoffs, but it was like a singularly spectacular performance. Like you were near the league lead in points or goals. You, you know, your, your, your other, you know, your, your center that always fed you the puck got hurt, but you kept producing anyways, that kind of stuff where you really show how great you are, but it's gotta be like a little bit clearer. So we don't end up with these total wild cards and, and the writer should have to publish their votes. So we don't get guys voting for their favorite player who just bounced onto the scene, you know? I will say I noticed something when we were going over the controversies. The further in history we, closer in history we came to now, the less of them there were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is getting a bit better. The yeah. Taylor Hall one was a bit of an, an anomaly. Yeah, no, there's been a couple bad ones recently, but like yeah. then you go through the 70s and 80s, and it's mostly like, yeah, this is okay, this is pretty good, you know. Whereas like the well, 50s, think- the 40s and 50s, you're like, what were you doing? Yeah. You know. We also 30s, have the benefit 40s, of like from 19. 19- let's say from 1970 to the year 2000, you always knew who the best players in the league were because we had some generational players in the league who yeah. blew people out of the water. So there was no debate, right? Like, no, that know, is a very, very good point. New Gretzky or, or like, I guess Clark when he won his two and the Messier ones were crap. They should both should have been, uh, both should have been Lemieux. Um, but at least like he was a player that you're like slam dunk call of famer. Of course he's, you know, at least if he wins, it's not like, who's this bozo. It's like, Okay, yeah. he's a great player. Still should have been the Muse Award, but at least, like, he's a good player. Um, you know, Jagger winning a couple like that. Uh, Sakic. Like, we're, we're talking about guys who are first ballot lock Hall of Famers. I don't know if Taylor Hall's going to the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he should have won his. Uh, you know, Henrik Sedin won his, but I think only because Ovechkin got hurt. Um, and then the one that Daniel should have won, he didn't win because Corey Perry had a great season. Uh, but that one was controversial, right? So it's like... I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say Taylor Hall doesn't make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, well I was I was going to say that because I'm not sure if uh, Corey Perry or Henrik Sedin or Daniel Sedin do either, right? So it's like the only yeah. reason those guys won and we had controversy was because uh, Ovechkin had, by his standards, a normal season. Yeah. And Crosby, Crosby was hurt and not having his best seasons. Yeah. So I actually think that was just before Crosby got hurt, but... Um, but he did yeah, miss games. He did miss games. did win the Art Ross. However, yeah. if Ovechkin played another 10 games instead of, I don't, I don't know if he got suspended or hurt. I can't remember. I think he got hurt. Yeah, um, and so, but if he played the other 10 games and scored at his normal pace, like you would have to think he would have been his award, right? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, but that one's not like super egregious because at least he did win the Art Ross. Um, the Corey Perry one's a little bit worse because he didn't win the Art Ross, but he did score 50 goals. But the Taylor Hall one is like, yeah, out of out of those guys who are not going to make the Hall, I think, as of right now, Taylor Hall has the worst case. So, well, like, uh, just but he, to, he still has a lot of his career to go if he keeps producing. No, that's true. That's true. But, but when you when you Arizona, so I don't know. when it's time to when it's time to look at his Hall of Fame case, not to get too far off on this, but like he has one first place Hart Trophy finish and zero like top ten other votes you know and people will look at that in the future and be like huh you know and people sort of wonder what people were smoking when they gave it to him anyway maybe yeah. um, well it's, i mean but but that that might help his case like if he wins he's already got that hard trophy and he's on a team that wins the cup like oh yeah then he's in then he's in yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like it's almost an automatic but yeah. i mean the bars the bars getting lower and lower as we speak right so yeah. yes it is <laughs> yes it is we 
as you can tell from listening to this, Kevin Lowe was just inducted into the Hall of Fame, and neither of us are particularly happy about it. But we are going to have an episode about that soon, and you can listen we to us. You know what? It's, it's, it's got to be a great day for Mike Gardner because now people can finally stop picking on him. There's a new whipping yeah. boy in town. <laughs> and, and, and Clark Gillies. Don't forget about Clark Gillies. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. So that's it for us for this episode and for the entire series. And at some point in the future, uh, I don't know when, we are going to do this again for the Con Smythe, which will be a lot of fun. And uh, we may also, depending on how long this goes, we may do it for the Norris, but we'll we'll see. We'll leave it at the Con Smythe. We'll do it for the Con Smythe at some point in the future. And uh, and it will probably be as equally in depth and long as this one, so hopefully you will tune in for that. And we're going to be resuming our regular programming next episode, so hopefully you will tune in for that, and we will see you then. Take care.